Friends, I'm going to encourage you to take out your copy of the scriptures this morning. In just a moment, I'll tell you where we're going to land. All over America today, there are pastors, even perhaps now, encouraging the congregation to open up their copy of the scriptures and turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Now, some of you that know what's, knows what's in Proverbs 31 are saying in your heart, oh, please, no. <laughs> and it's not because it's not a wonderful chapter of Scripture. It's because it's completely misunderstood. You see, Proverbs 31 talks about this woman who has servants all throughout the house, uh, running around doing, you know, the small stuff, like looking after the kids and um, fixing dinner and stuff, you know, while she is buying and selling land, and, and on the side as a hobby, she has planted and is dressing a vineyard. And, you know, when in free time in the evening, she likes to make these wonderful bedspread, these beautiful fabrics made of only the best stuff. And all of their kids are wearing the latest designer stuff, and, and, and they're perfectly polite. Even when they're hungry and tired in the grocery store, they are just greeting everyone, looking at their eyes and saying, well, hello, ma'am, how are you today? And they're, they're, they're perfect kids. Which makes every mom say, well, then what's wrong with me? I mean, how can this lady have it all together? And what they've done is they've missed the whole purpose of this chapter. The purpose of the chapter is this, to communicate one thing, that the woman who fears God will be praised by her children and by her husband. Regardless of if you got a good deal on the property and sold it for a really high price or not, my friends. But the woman who, who fears God will be praised. I know some of you are like, that's not what I heard. Go back and read it, friends. There it is. Well, fortunately, we're not going to study that chapter. We've got something far more important to look at. This morning, we are going to look at the one instruction surrounding all of the other obligations and expressions of love. Moms, dads, kids, pretty much covers us all, right? <laughs> this is the one thing that you ought to be thinking about here today and every day on the planet. And it's directed towards parents. So we're going to focus on, uh, on all of us this morning here. I want to encourage you to turn with me to the very clean pages of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. It's a funny name, Deuteronomy. You know, in the, uh, in the progress of the story of Scripture here, the nation of Israel is about ready to go into this promised land after years of struggle God has given them land and great victories and amazing provisions. But he says, you know what? You're going to ruin it if you go in here. If you go into this land and you forget this one thing. Very, very important one thing, my friends. And the word Deuteronomy means the second law. This is the second time. This is Moses' review as the people of God are to enter into this promised land. 
He just wants to remember one more time. As they're walking out the door, wait, 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 let me remind you this. Don't forget the milk. Come on, don't forget the far important than any of these things, my friend. So Deuteronomy and chapter 6. Deuteronomy and chapter 6. We're going to look at the first nine verses here in this chapter. We're going to look at this key passage that lays out a critical command of parents as they teach their children how to successfully maneuver through this life. Key, critical passage, my friends. And what we're going to discover is the key to a long and fruitful life is to fear God and follow Him by faith. So take a look with me, my friend, in verse 1. Here we go. We're diving in. And what Moses gives us is what we might call a preamble to this command. And and make no mistake, my friends, this is indeed a command. But it is a command in the same way that parents say, don't play in traffic. It is a command that says, I want you to live long and healthy with all of those broken bones everywhere. It is a command that says, I want you to experience life. So take a look with me, if you will, to this preamble. This preamble says, it begins with the word now. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that Yahweh your God commanded me to teach to you. And that little uh, verse right there tells us a couple of things about the priority of this command. First off, it tells us who the author of this command is. This is not Moses and a couple of the elders from Israel who came together and said, we think this might work, why don't we give it a try? This instruction is from the God who created life. The God who spoke and brought all of it into existence, my friends. This is the God who not only built it and designed it, but the God who says, I want to make sure you enjoy it. It, it, is, it is Christmas time with those confounded toys that take six hours to put together. I mean, they shouldn't take six hours. It's just that we don't think we need the instructions, so we got to do it four times, you know? And, uh, and I, that's how it works sometimes, friends. If you don't follow the instructions, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be annoying. It's going to make you want to throw it down and say, well, get them a different toy, you know? I'm talking about life here. Essential, important stuff. And so the author is God. It is Yahweh. And the relationship, I want you to notice that this is not the God who stands and looks down on you and says, you know what, this is what I want you to do. He uses relational terms. He said, let's not forget that this is coming from your God. Your God. It's relational. And while he is certainly God and while he certainly deserves our worship... And he deserves our obedience. He says, this is coming from a relational standpoint. It is because he loves us that he wants us to know this and do this. And we will see in this passage the result of doing it. And it is the goodness that God wants to bring to us. And so as we look at the author and the relationship, we also notice the responsibility We certainly notice the responsibility. You know, Moses said, God commanded me to teach you. 
And it seems that this is an instruction that ought to be passed along. I mean, it starts with God telling Moses that Moses might tell us. And as we're going to discover as we go a little further, it is also an instruction that parents, having been taught this truth, would teach it to their children. This is not something to store up only for yourself, my friend. It is something that we ought to receive as instruction from God, believe, and act on it. So we have this preamble. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that Yahweh your God commanded me to teach to you. And then he tells us the purpose of the command. And I know right now you're like, well, just what is it? But let's not miss the introduction of it, my friends. Again, God gives us the purpose of this command. I mean, this is why you really ought to pay attention. Because the purpose of the command first begins that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. Because one of the critical aspects of enjoying the blessing of God is learning to obey the God who gives the blessings. Obedience is the first step into the life of blessing. And blessing is God's favor. It is his goodness that he longs to bestow upon you. But it can only take place when you are in the place that God has called you. And so this this command, the purpose of it is to learn to obey God. But it is also to learn to fear God. Look at verse 2. That you may fear Yahweh, your God. You and your, your son's son by keeping his statutes and this commandment, which I am commanding you all the days of your life. And so this, 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 this learning to obey is not just falling in line with the rules. It is an understanding that God is an awesome God. This word fear is often mishmashed into something that just really means, you know, nothing more than, you know, you think God's a good guy. Friend, the word fear is is that we ought to be in awe of God. You know, and in the same way, I mean, you know, today in the the whole push for, you know, we say Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, and, and it's absolutely true. Christianity and the very nature and the very purposes of God is to reconcile man into him, to himself, that we might have a relationship that lasts forever. And somehow, somebody has swung that all the way over here where Jesus now is our best bud. You know, we're going to hang out with Jesus today. And, and friends, we've, we've missed the, the, the fear and awesomeness of who God is. We ought to be amazed that God cares about us. And make no mistake, he does. But friends, the fear of God is to recognize who he is and he is not to be trifled with. Learn to obey God. Learn to fear God. And then notice here, why? That your days may be long. Because when you... When you ignore the Word of God, when you ignore the instructions of God that are placed out like guardrails on a highway to keep you in a good place, a place that leads to life, friends, then bad things will happen there. 
just the way it is. You know, listen to your parents. They have your best interest in mind. And I know when you're a little kid and your brain is still developing, it's hard to understand how they could possibly understand more than you. But it's true. By experience, by time, by trial and error, parents know more than kids. It's the way it works. It's the, it's, it's the parents that can see over the fence. You know, I know what's on the other side here. Well, kids can't wait to burst through the gate. My friends, the purpose of this command is that your days may be long. And we know being foolish can shorten your life. It happens all the time. People being careless, people being foolish, and suddenly a life is taken. Whether it be in a car, simply walking down the road. The first year at the Moody Bible Institute, sitting in uh, all these introductory uh, you know, speeches about this and be careful, and then came the warning how there was a, a student just weeks previously walking down an area that she shouldn't have been in with headphones and music blaring so she was completely unaware of what was going on around her and her life was taken. Carelessness, my friends. People not doing the things they ought to do that preserve life. Hmm. And then look at here, verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that's a metaphor, okay? <laughs> it, it, it sounds sticky. It sounds messy. It's a metaphor for a wonderful, fruitful land. But there is no way that they can experience even the best if they are not following God in the midst. It's true today, my friends. The context may be different, but the truth is still the same. It doesn't matter where you are in this life. You will either fail miserably without God or succeed even more miserably without God. So trust him. Learn to walk in his ways and you will experience his blessing. And so we have the purpose of this command. I know. Get to it, Dave. Well, here we are. Verse 4. This is where it's all laid out, my friends. This is the one thing. Parents... Teach your kids. Teach yourself before you teach your kids so they can see it in practice. And whether you have kids or not, friends, this is the road to life. Verse 4, hear, O Israel. This is the great Shema. The word Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. It means listen. It means pay attention to this. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our God, Yahweh is one. And you shall love Yahweh, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And instantly you said, wait a minute, I read that before. Isn't that in the New Testament? Well, as a matter of fact, it is. There was a wealthy man that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And he says, what does the Scripture say? Well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We'll do this and you will live. 
wait a minute, that's what we just read here. Do this and you will live. Like not exist, not keep sucking in and blowing out air, but you're going to truly live if you learn to love God with all that you are. It will transition even the darkest room into light if you learn to love God with all that you are. Hmm. So the commandments is clear. Love. Now later on, if we were to continue on, which we will not, in the, re- the revealing of God's law and how to live with one another and with God can all be summed up in one word. I mean, there are a lot of ways that we can talk about how we ought to relate to one another. I mean, how about this? Honor your father and your mother. And while you're at it, don't kill people, okay? Don't murder people. That's a bad way to get along with people, okay? And if you're in a relationship and you've been married, how about don't cheat on your wife or your husband? That's not a good way to love people, okay? And how about number eight? If they got some really nice uh, uh, shovel in the backyard that you wish you had because it had that really nice handle, don't steal it. I mean, these are so basic, right? But how do we, I mean, how can we guard ourselves? How about this? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you had one of those nifty shovels in your backyard, you wouldn't want anyone else to take it. How about leave their stuff alone? How about you come across a camera on a bench? The instant thought isn't mine. How about it belongs to someone else? How can I love someone and help them find what might be precious family photos on that camera? You see, love changes everything. And remember, love is a sacrificial investment in someone else's life. Moms illustrate that in so many ways. You may not have a mom that did. But I'll tell you what, friends, this morning on Facebook, a cousin of mine who I've been out of contact with for some 40 years posted a picture that she had found that included a picture of my mom and myself. And it was back in 1970. I was just a little kid with long blonde hair. And my instant thought was this, why am I not hugging my mom? Because if I knew then what I know now, I'd have hugged my mom a whole lot more. I'll tell you what, friends. Love... Love, love, love. Don't cheat yourself by being selfish, thinking only about yourself, my friends. That is not the road to blessing. Selfishness divides people, causes people to walk away from you and cheat you out of the best things in life, which is relationships. It's about relationships, my friends. So the purpose of this command is to obey God, to fear God, to preserve life, and to experience His blessing. But the commandment is fulfilled by loving God. It doesn't matter what the commandment is about how to relate to God or how to relate to man. It all starts with this heart of love that says, I care what people say about God. I care what people might think about my God, judging Him by my actions. And I care what people think about my friends and my brother and my sister, my wife and my kids. And that's, that's the heart of love, friends, when you're more concerned about them than you are yourself. And that's where, that's where it is, the number one, this is it. This is, this is the answer to all of it. 
every command in the Old Testament is fulfilled if you will love God and the people around you. It doesn't matter what it is, my friends. Love God. And then I notice, I notice that, uh, that God gives Moses some information on how we ought to practice this command. I mean, what it ought to look like here. Notice in verse 4, he says, uh, Hear, O Israel, right? Yahweh our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, in the Old Testament, the heart really represents the mind. In other words, we ought to be thinking about this stuff. This ought to be in the forefront of my mind as I get ready for work, as I get out on the road with my kids. If it go, whatever it is, the forefront of my mind is, is how is my love for God going to impact the choices for today? And how do we get it on our mind to begin with? I'll tell you a good way. Start reading the Word of God. Do it in the morning, do it in the evening, do it in the afternoon, do whatever works for you, my friends. But when you're done with it, don't just close the book and walk away. You're not done until you understand what you've read and how it ought to intersect with your life. Friends, just reading the daily bread, that could be a great thing, but if all you're doing is reading it, that makes no difference at all. How is the Word of God intersecting with your life Hey, look, I'm reading about Joseph. Joseph, he believes God's promises regardless of his circumstances. So it is not my circumstances that should adjust my view of God. It is my view of God that should adjust my perspective on circumstances. Well, I'm not going to get all crazy when something inconvenient happens then. Because God might be involved here and I should trust him through it. Friends, whatever it is you're reading, until you could write out what the application ought to be in your life, you're not done. But get the Word of God in your head, because it is the Spirit of God that uses the Word of God to convict us of sin and to direct us into life. And that all starts here. You take it in, the Spirit of God uses it to direct you, to lead you into the life of blessing. Again, blessing doesn't always mean you get the closest parking space. Sometimes the blessing of God is to save you money on a gym membership and cause you to park a mile and a half away. And you got to walk and experience the sun and look at the little poodle in the clouds and, and say, hey, life isn't half bad. I'd have missed that if I'd have had the good parking spot. You see how a, 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 an attitude of faith and trust in God can change everything. Starts here. Starts here. And so, friends, this command to love God ought to be on your mind, but, but not, not just on your mind, my friends. And, and as often is the case, what's in the mind tends to come out the mouth, right? Look at here in verse 2. It's this command to love God ought to be on your lips. You shall teach them diligently to your children. I'm glad that God put in the word diligently because it's not a box to be checked. Well, I did that this week. Friends, diligently. Because the purpose is not just so they hear it. The purpose is that they understand it and live it. Love the Lord God with all your heart. 
Friends, get it on your mind. Absorb the Word of God into your head and into your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And look, and you shall talk about them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In other words, it's not just reserved for a Sunday afternoon. It sure looks like the center of our life is loving God and teaching our children to do the same. Teaching our kids to do the same, my friends. So this command, it's got to be in our head. It's got to be on our lips. And look at here. It ought to be in your eyes, before your eyes. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Like, wait, well, what's the point of writing them on your doorposts and house and on your gates? I mean, what is that, like decoration Christian stuff? No, it's called passive learning. You know what passive learning is? It's, it's the signs on the side of the highway. You know, there's not some guy on a bullhorn going, you ought to buy from this guy. It's just slowly. It's what politicians use come election day. You got those signs of names everywhere, you know? Cannon and all, you know, crazy big signs with big names. And one day you're in the voting booth and you're like, I don't know anything about any of these guys. But I saw this guy's sign. I'll vote for that guy. (laughs) Hey, don't be that person, okay? Find out what you're voting for. (laughs) All right? But, but friends, passive learning. One of the first verses I learned from passive learning, I went and played basketball at this Christian school. And every day I walked through the, the front entrance and, and, and painted on this window, you know, was, was 1 Corinthians uh, 10.31. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Look, it wasn't because I saw it once. It was day after day after day. There it is. You know, the first day it's like, what is that? Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Day two, I know what that is. It's that thing that says, and suddenly it's memorized. What is it that you as a family want to have hidden in your heart and on your mind? Friends, put it everywhere. One of the things my daughters are really great at, I mean, I'll go into one of the bathrooms that they use, and they've got little scripture and little note cards on the mirror in the morning. Again, passive learning. There, it, oh, That's that card I wrote, and it says this. You know? I mean, what do you want to just make clear in your head? You know, what, what scripture speaks to you that causes your heart to trust God? Friends, put it everywhere. Put it everywhere. God, I mean, get it, get it in front of your eyes. And all of this seems to speak that maybe this is kind of important if you're putting it on your house. I mean, I recommend we all go home and paint a verse on our garage door. Okay, no, you do whatever you want, okay? <laughs> I mean, if that's a help to you every day you're pulling in the house, there's that verse, you know, it could change it every six months, I don't know. That's up to you. But it seems to me that what God is, is speaking through Moses here is this is so important. You've got to take every step possible, anything you can imagine that will get it into your kid's head that loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might is the very best thing they can do. You've got to take every step you can. But friends, before you think about your kids, think about yourself. 
And maybe one or two of you maybe through this message thought, well, why should I love God? I can give you a great reason, because he loves you. And it's awfully hard not to love someone that loves you. You just learn from it. I mean, God demonstrated his love for us. I mean, there's a lot of ways to show someone you love them. Buy them flowers, buy them a gift, take them to some place, give them a break. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, I mean, while we were thumbing our nose up to God and saying, I'll do it my way, Christ died for us. I mean, he died in our place. He says, you know, you can cuss at me, you can ignore me, you can, but I love you so much, this is what I'm going to do for you. And that's love. See, love is not, oh, that's definitely nice. Let me do something nice for you. Love says, regardless of what you do, I am committed to your best interest. Man and woman stand in front of their family and friends and promise to love one another. Except what they think is, you make me so happy I want to do stuff for you. And then someday they don't make you happy anymore. So you're like, I ain't doing stuff for you anymore. What kind of relationship is that? You know, take a look at parents getting up in the middle of the night, cleaning up vomit. You know, I mean, that's not a pleasant thing. Just think of vomit for a minute, okay? Okay, that's enough. I mean, I have a good friend who changed his wife's diaper for years. Friends, that's not, you make me happy, so I'll do stuff for you. That's, I am committed to investing my life in your life for as long as I got. If I got the strength, energy, if I got the days left, I want to invest my life in yours. And now let's direct that to God. What has God done for you lately? You know, how about he's giving you life? How about those beautiful sunsets that you see every morning? How, how about all of these great things that you could count if you had books upon books with blank pages? How he's directed your life, how he would not give you that really one thing you really wanted so that you could have the life today. God is an amazing God. You ought to love him. To sacrifice some of your own selfishness so that you can invest in what matters to him. That's what love is, my friends. That's what love is. Well, now we got some Bible to go. Let's wrap it up. The Bible to go. Sermon in a sentence is the key to a long and fruitful life. To fear and obey God means to love him. Love him if you will invest your life in God. Well, let's just say the returns are out of this world. My friends, it is the greatest investment of your life that you can ever make is to love God. So what does it look like? My notes don't include the Bible to go, and I didn't memorize them. (laughs) Next one. How about this? Families. Some instruction to the families. Work toward the same goal. I mean, how about come up with a family constitution? I did. I mean, our country's got one. It's supposed to keep you on the right track, but it's only as good as you acting on it, right? I mean, what is your family purpose? What is your family goal? I mean, as you work together, regardless of what stage of life, what is your purpose as a family? How about encouraging one another and modeling to one another to love the Lord your God, to learn to trust Him 
in the good times and the bad. How about we got some instruction to the church? Support them through your example. Do you realize how much it matters that you are here today? I mean, someone's just going to get a glimpse into your life by an action you took, an act of love for someone else. They're going to be like, wow, that's a, that's a good thing. I should do that. You know, growing up in this church, growing old in this church, being encouraged by the good actions of the people around you, by the way you pray so earnestly, by how kind you are to the people around you, how you give up your own rights for the good of someone else. It's love, families. How about moms? Fear not. You are not in this alone. Dark days, they come, but you're not in it alone because God cares about those kids far more than you can imagine. And as much as you may love those kids, God loves them far more. God has a purpose and a plan, and there's some difficult days, and there's some obstinate days. But God has made some promises. He said, you bring up a child in the way that he should go. You point him in the right direction. You model it. You demonstrate it. And when they are old, doesn't say every day. doesn't say when you're really tired and you just wish they'd behave. It says when they are old, they will not depart from it. You model it, you live it, you instruct it. And God says, it's the way to life. It's the way to life, my friends. One thing. Love the Lord God.